Welcome fellow seekers, my name is Nathan, and this is the Law of One and Spiritual Concepts Podcast, where I ensure my interpretations of the Law of One and other related topics. Today, I'm thrilled to share with you an interview I did with Mike Waskowski, where we discuss the Law of One and how it relates to parenting and a few other topics. I'm incredibly grateful that Mike agreed to do this interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So without further ado, let's let it play. Thanks, Mike, for joining us today. I'm thrilled to have you. You Thanks, are uh, great. Yeah, you happen to be one of the top Law of One scholar students that I know. Uh, I've been studying the material for quite some time. And uh, you've also, oh, go ahead. I still feel like a beginner. You know, it's like so hard to get, wrap your mind around so much of it. Yeah, no, no doubt. So learning something new every time I go through it. But um, yeah, so you, you host a number of meetup groups between metaphysics, uh, ET disclosure, Law of One, uh, quite a bit. So you're a pretty big uh, activist in the community. So do you mind uh, just giving us a brief overview of how you got into the Law of One and um, basically everything you're working on these days? Yeah, it's, well, um, I guess I figure out how to make it brief here is um, a challenge, I guess. But um, so I, I found out about the Law of One books through David Wilcock, his Project Camelot interview in 2007. And that was actually like six months after I found out about Edgar Casey and was reading about all the Edgar Casey readings. I was diving into Edgar Casey readings heavily. And it's like he, his his energy kind of got me really excited to see, you know, where where I could go in my research directions. I was just starting to do a lot of research in many different UFO subjects. And so um, the, the, the Law of One channel material seemed like a logical next step to begin researching heavily because of all the other research I'd done prior. And uh and I, it did not disappoint me. <laughs> and I even had one experience where um, I thought maybe I should try channeling myself. And uh, this has maybe been 2008. And uh, and basically, it was as though I did some automatic writing, and it just said, um, like, read the read the law of one before you pursue this kind of path. And it and it was like it, it was it was a very unusual experience for me. It's like I was being told not to try this until. I had this other book under my uh, under comprehension, I guess, and I and now that now that I have had, had that experience, it makes a lot more sense to me that it's like this material sort of served as a framework for me to process a lot of other things that were very confusing. It's very easy to um, make missteps when you're trying to put many different puzzle pieces together that have different philosophical backgrounds, bases and belief systems and that's just it's just wild west with ufology right now with everyone's different having different belief systems and you know as dave wilcock has said so many times it feels like the loved one serves as sort of foundation for a lot of other things to make more sense um mm. so i started uh going to meetup groups maybe 2010 2011 in southern california and then i started hosting uh more meetup groups here in colorado springs uh, back in 2015, 2016, I, I started, I, I took over a, a larger metaphysics meetup group that was just somebody was tired out from doing it. And um, that kind of got me an easy way to get a, more attention for uh, other other speakers who also who I've ho hosted through the metaphysics uh, group. But the, the ET disclosure meetup group is the one that I've been kind of putting most uh, uh, energy on and attention on. And that's where we do the Love One discussion meetings and we've discussed you know all kinds of experiences people have had with ets and um it, it covers the whole spectrum it's just so wild what, what's happening uh, you know people are so used to listening on the internet to a handful of people who 
who have amazing experiences, but they don't realize that there's vastly more people who don't talk about their experiences because they have they have no way to, they have no one to talk to, and um, they sound crazy. They don't even know about communities of people who are open to talking about things and um, you know, channel information, ET communication is, is one one of those subjects, but a lot of stuff just sort, sort of correlates and you get to connect the dots when you talk to people who have other bizarre experiences like this. Yeah, yeah, and they definitely, it seems like you kind of almost give them a place to feel comfortable to have those discussions because uh, I've noticed that too, even through the uh, Law of One group that I host, you just have people that come that really just want to share some of these experiences and just have someone to talk to about a lot of this because kind of like what you were alluding to there is there's usually fear of ridicule and a bunch yeah. of other things when it comes to this topic so yeah no i, I think the work you've done has been been amazing for uh for the spiritual community altogether but um and Thanks. so recently you're, you're still working on the ascension works um that tv right yep yep i just uh launched that site in 2021 and yeah, I'm hoping to do a lot more content that's focused around the law of one on on there. It's a social network right now, uh, and I've been a programmer. I mean, that's kind of my main work has been a web programmer since 2006, basically. I've been working as a professional programmer, and um, so I, I'm really good at tweaking web systems and apps, and I made a really good social network for the community there at ascensionworks.tv, and hopefully we can keep on supporting people with... Um, paid content and free content to keep getting more and more kinds of high, high, high vibrational educational content on there and keep a community building around really good information. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's definitely needed these days too. I mean, you look at the big social media platforms just between the censorship and everything else going on with those uh, people need to, another place to go to, I guess, where you're, you're free from that, but also have other like-minded individuals part of it too. So yeah, I think you think you got a good thing going there, and it seems like the amount of people on there is just growing every day from, yep. from what I've seen too. So, yep, maybe a yeah. few dozen signups every day. Yep. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. And I know uh, you're also that's that's associated too then with the Corey Good story, which is also uh, fascinating. Yeah. I know he's bringing on uh, quite a few people too with a lot of the content and everything he's putting out. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other tangent. We don't have to go into, it, but <laughs> but but yeah, it's basically like I was very impressed by Corey Good's testimony when he came onto the scene 2014 and 2015, and um, I've I've gotten so many signals from the universe, so many signs that he's 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 legitimate, and and he's he's become very controversial, and um, it's interesting how there's kind of like a, a a law of one community that's kind of like tries to tries to kind of separate itself from a lot of the UFO community. And that's why I kind of have different meetings. You know, I have the, the open ET meeting discussions and then the law of one focused discussions because different people vibe with different communities. And mm -hmm. it is helpful to, in some cases to stay focused on the, the spiritual texts and just, and just focus on the inner work. But a lot of people, they want to know the bigger picture of what's going on with the nature of reality and the, and the world around us. And I feel like, you know, you need to get into the whistleblower testimonies and the, the more exotic information about what's going on. If you want to put all the puzzle pieces together, which is, seems to be um, helpful at this time, because I think there's so much that Rod didn't explain about this nature of the transition period and the harvest and the changes mm -hmm. coming. And so that's why I found a lot of uh, comfort and grounding from Corey Good's testimony, because he kind of explains that it seems to be connected to you know a solar event, and there seems to be a lot of, of uh, energy shifts in our consciousness, which is causing us to become more polarized at this time, and that's probably going to accelerate. And it's really nothing to be concerned about. It's just a, a process of 
of people waking up and it, it might it might look crazier and crazier on the outside but it's like this is giving us our freedom back and giving us our ability to uh out of free will choose our our, our reality choose the fourth density earth in a more co-creative manner as as the consciousness sort of is is spun up into higher higher levels of, of intensity right yeah, and I definitely think, I mean, the more material I study outside of the law of one, um, just much of it ends up tying back in and correlates so well with the law of one that I, I feel like that ends up being quite beneficial, too, because it kind of explains things and, I guess, other words or other, other ways that, you know, Ra didn't use in some of his language is <laughs> a little difficult to understand at times. But I, I just feel the more stuff I study like that, you just you just realize everything really is connected and I don't know, it ties things together more for me. I know the more I get into everything, but yep. yeah. So I guess uh, from there, we can dive into, I wanted to look at session 40.20 with you since you are now a recent father, which uh, congratulations yep. again, by the way. It's uh, Daniel, Thanks. right? Yep. Daniel Melchizedek. <laughs> He's about uh, 10 months old now. So I'm still learning a lot, still trying to understand what what this agreement is that we apparently made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought it might be kind of fun to break down a little bit of this um, session here, just because I, I feel like parenting is one of those things that wasn't really talked about a whole lot in the law of one. Um, it doesn't really get discussed much in the community. And from what I could tell, there's really only one or two quotes that that have anything that directly relate to it. And, and this was the main one. So um, yeah, I figured we kind of break it down by sections here so I can read the uh, first part of it, and we can we can talk about it a little bit from there. But perfect. Um, so yeah, I'll get into the first part here. It says the the entity, child or adult, as you call it, is not an instrument to be played. The appropriate teach learning device of parent to child is the open hearted beingness of the parent and the total acceptance of the beingness of the child. This will encompass whatever material the child entity has brought into the life experience in this plane. So. I'll End it there for now, but um, and to give a little bit of context, I guess that beginning part where saying the instrument is the child's not an instrument to be played. There, uh, Don was asking about how to activate the energy centers basically of, of the child, and uh, this kind of sparked rather than to go into more detail. But I think they're ultimately getting at that it's just that the child needs to do that activation on their own, it can't be activated by the parent. But um, I'll, let's see if you have any thoughts on that uh, first part there, then. Yeah, that is. Definitely the most important thing about parenting is the open-hearted nature that you're sharing, the the open-hearted beingness of the parent um, and the total acceptance of the beingness of the child. And um, yeah, it's basically like three things brought up that I've been following as as the guidance from, from Ra on parenting. And, and this is the foundational one is just keeping your heart open at all times. And they also say in other parts of the material, you know, that... Uh, the most important thing we can do in service to others in general is um, like the radiance of the realization of of the creator or the love of the creator as it is known to the self. Um, and, and this radiance is kind of like, it's like the vibe that we're bringing. It's the vibration that the, the child is picking up on. And the more we stay in an open-hearted state, I think the more easily, you know, my, my son can, can connect to me through that. And, and so I was, I was very, uh, I don't know if I was paranoid, but I was very cautious about my energy early on, and I um, I, I remember when my when my son was was born, um, and they were. <laughs> it's it's kind of a long story that I I didn't want to be at the hospital, but through circumstances I was required to be at the hospital, 
and uh, they were they were a team of people who had no compassion for my child, who was cleaning him off right after he came out of the out of the womb. And I I reached out and I held his his hand. And he wrapped his hand around my finger, and and I, I felt like that was that was the moment of of connection, the beginning of the this strong, open hearted connection. And it was like I I was talking to him. I was trying to I was trying to help him feel better about the situation and um it's like it's like we made a connection there that was like an open-hearted connection that that is almost like a telepathic link that mm. through the heart that that has lasted and i can kind of go back to that place um and we got to bond more in the hour that followed that and that helped me kind of cement that feeling in my system more and um and, and it felt to me that like to an extent, this is me. This is this is a version of me that just popped out of my wife, and this has mm-hmm. caused me to think she's a version of me too. That I, that's I'm just not. Um, I, I, she doesn't seem like me so often that I forget that that she's a perfect mirror for me still, and my son is is a mirror for, like the a version of me that was very very young that I have lost connection to. It seems because mm-hmm. you know all these layers of the world weighing down on us over the years. Um, yeah. and, and it's something I'm trying to process as the months go on that um, he's, he's showing me aspects of my innocence that I lost and that I have to find a way to reopen to. And I know that that's possible when I, when I get into his open hearted nature and my heart is open, I can kind of um, feel his joy a little bit more. Um, it's, you know, so hard to put words on any of this. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And, and really, that that is just truly beautiful. And it's a, a kind of almost a reminder that a lot of us need. And I guess a, a little bit along those lines, I was curious, you hear a lot of people say after having um, a child that they have a different definition, I guess, to unconditional love at that point, or that it's the first time they actually understand what that truly means. So I feel like you're kind of getting to that, too. But do you think your definition has changed at all? Or is that open your eyes a little bit to it? Well, the word definition to me implies words, <laughs> and it's so <laughs> it's so far beyond words. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's a ladder that you just keep on climbing, you know, as you open your heart more. And um, I, I feel like it, it's a it's a surrender to a deeper sense of the self too. It's a surrender to sense of the creator. It's a um, and and I feel like it's an ocean you're swimming in. You know, it's like you can s- swim deeper into the ocean and you can become the ocean and you can have all these different experiences with your heart open. Mm-hmm. Very hard to put into words, though. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. But it seems like there's been uh, at least a lot to think about and a lot of experience that uh, can be can be obtained from from what you've what you've gone through there. So it's yeah, definitely a positive. It sounds like though altogether. Yeah, yeah, amazingly positive. And I feel like I'm probably a different person, you know, every month. You know, my 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 son seems to be a different person every day as he's evolving. Yeah. But but I know that I'm I'm probably letting go of attachments and ambitions even. It's like <laughs> I have to watch him so much that I have to I have to stay kind of focused on him more than I would more than I thought I wanted to be, more than I thought was going to be necessary. And so that kind of like is forcing me to um, recognize maybe this is this is a gift that I that I get to play. The, I, I get to have this role as a, as a dad. This is this is mm-hmm. meaningful. This is this is just my honor responsibility now. That's that's another beautiful passage in the Law of One that 
every responsibility is an honor and every honor is responsibility. And keeping those perceptions in balance, honor and responsibility is is essential in, in perceiving the nature of our roles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And for, for people that don't know, you were extremely active with your meetup groups and everything. So it's, I'm sure that's probably changed a little bit of uh, how much you've done. But at the same time, like you said, maybe that was something you needed a little bit of a change to, I don't know, either refresh or to, to grow further at that point, too. So that's also a nice excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But along those lines, then at the last part of that first quote we were reading, it's um, about what experience life experiences the child has brought into this incarnation so have you given any thought to that i'm sure you have but I, it's just it's an interesting one to me because it seems like that could be all sorts of different things between you know mental physical different experiences or anything to do with obviously relationships and stuff too but um yeah have you given any thought to that one well yeah i mean well, well, Maybe this could be interpreted in different ways because they say uh, um, the appropriate teach learning is the total acceptance of the beingness of the child, and this will encompass whatever material the child entity has brought into the life experience in this plane. So I feel like, you know, um, if the baby was born with some kind of defect, like that's something that would require a lot of acceptance work in a, in a unique kind of way. So I feel like my son is relatively easy to take care of and what he's brought in right now feels sort of transparent and pure so i don't really feel like i've had to process his past life baggage or anything yeah mm. i guess although although he may have some more you know uh frustrations uh fussiness than than i feel like i do but he's still a mirror and it's like wait a minute i think you know it's still when he's upset and i'm upset that he's upset it's because i have to work through this in myself and he's got a work through it himself and it's still parallel growth that's happening yeah yeah and i could definitely see there being more stuff along the way too obviously as as he grows older and your relationship progresses in that sense and so i think is also with session 50.5 where they talk about some that have there's um pre-incarnational pre choices made between parent to siblings to all basically the family related as well so it seems like yeah. there could be obviously more to come and other decisions made that you, right. you'll be learning along the way too so it's yeah i can only speculate a, yeah mm -hmm. it's like I, there's a part of me that, that wants to you know fantasize about me doing a whole bunch of amazing schools and um healing centers or research centers with with him and it's like what path is does does he really want to take what is what path is he on and do i have any way of predicting that will he be some kind of uh, rebel and just um, pursue something completely different. And I have a difficulty imagining what that would be, but I feel like I probably benefit from whatever it was that he wanted to rebel about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole, there are no coincidences. So yeah, <laughs> have to see. So, okay, well, great. Then uh, I'll continue along with the next part of that quote there. Um, so Ross says, uh, there are two things especially important in this relationship, other than the basic acceptance of the child by the parent. Firstly, the experience of whatever means the parent uses to worship and give thanksgiving to the one infinite creator should, if possible, be shared with the child entity upon a daily basis, as you would say. Um, so I'll stop it there again. So I yeah. think that's a... Yeah, yeah. That, that one is kind of funny to me because it's like, how many of us have a daily practice of sharing worship and thanksgiving to the one infinite creator? 
And here they're saying, if possible, make sure you're doing this every day to benefit the child the most. Yeah. Um, but but so the meaning of those words is going to vary from person to person here quite a lot. And mm-hmm. of uh, they're, they're, I, I could speak for a long time on the subject of Christian worship music and the nature of the the toolbox of Christianity because there's there's a lot that I have in that toolbox that I've worked on since I was a kid. My, I remember being in church as a kid and uh, singing songs alongside my parents and being like, this is weird. We're just singing now. We don't normally sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think this is awkward for my dad, but he's doing it anyway. So I guess that's cool. So we just sing right now, I guess. Um, so I've been singing worship songs my whole life, actually. And it's like, I've, I've realized that the you know the only bottlenecks I have is is my comprehension of what worship is, and um, so I, right now I see worship is well, they say worship and thanksgiving, and so they're 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 making the strong connection here. Worship of the wonderful Creator is the same as thanksgiving uh, uh, to to a degree, and thanksgiving mm-hmm. is uh, is like gratitude. Um, yeah. So so the way in which we're grateful, it's like I, I I know that I could be grateful for for food, but I know that. Um, I'm kind of jaded to the nature of joy in food uh, because I've been eating my whole life, I guess. So maybe I don't have as much gratitude as as a child would have for for sugar or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, finding more spiritual or transcendent ways to have gratitude for reality, uh, I think that's where you get into this concept of worship when when you're sort of overwhelmed with feelings of gratefulness i think that's a state of worship um uh some people have difficulty with the idea of worship i think because of the idea that you're um um you're setting up a kind of separation that there's the there's the lesser and there's the greater one to be worshiped um Mm. but i think that um worship is a process of of breaking down some of those distinctions and and allowing uh the the nature of what we're grateful for to go from being this material reality to being like this infinite spiritual identity. And so we're kind of like worship to me is, is an open doorway. Uh, and the more we're open to um, what, what I would say is seeing in terms of the sacramental nature of each experience, which is another law of one passage. Um, and it took me a while to ma- make that connection that when they're talking about the sacramental nature of each experience, they're talking about seeing with eyes that are, if you haven't had this experience, maybe it's hard to see, but this is like a kind of spiritual perception that's opening that um, is is pure joy and pure gratitude. And when you see that that's possible to have those experiences through every experience, to see that see experiences in those terms as, as like this is a, a transcendent, powerful gift, this very moment is a transcendent, powerful gift. That's, I think that's why worship is, is, is a, category of a concept and also it was so beneficial beneficial for carl ruckert some people think that it was her christian biases and how much she was singing in her church that that uh maybe influenced uh raw using this kind of terminology a little bit um but i i, I align with carl ruckert and feeling a lot of value from um singing christian worship songs of course i have to like reinterpret certain phrases and i've done that my whole life uh just worked on what is the interpretation that makes the most sense to me and that is speaking to me. And, um, but, uh, as far as my child, um, 
I've tried putting on worship music and, you know, he can, he can get into it a little bit. He's not very <laughs> excited <laughs> to do anything for more than five minutes, it seems. Yeah. Uh, but I think that maybe we, maybe I should try, um, when we're eating food, for example, maybe we should, I should try, this is something that's, that's just been coming to me. Um, like I should try saying a prayer or expressing gratitude in some way before we eat the food so that this mm. thing, which is this source of immense joy is not, I guess, prostituted is, is one way of looking at it. This is, this is something that we honor and we're, we're very grateful for. And we see the creator in this, in this food. And then I think that'd be a very helpful way to make it a daily practice. If we did it before we ate every time is just give thanks in some way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great idea. And I think uh, your breakdown then of what worship means and, and could possibly mean also is kind of an important way to to read this part of the quote as well, because like you said, there tends to be a lot of religious connotations to that word too, that yeah. but it doesn't necessarily have to have to mean just that. It, it's it's right. a little more broad. So um, yeah. I, I really hadn't considered before the um, music side of things as well. I, th- I right. think that's a, I think that's a great idea. And maybe more subtle ways but ultimately you're you're basically achieving the goal then too of of teaching teaching worship at that point so yeah and it's very fascinating to me because i feel like you know because i was raised as kind of this fundamentalist christian for so long it's like i had experiences as a kid that maybe i couldn't have had if i hadn't been raised that way and that's i think that's part of why they're saying you know whatever means the parents using teach that because mm-hmm the child can pick up on things the parent can't even pick up on through these practices. Um, and the traditional practices, um, they, they can perhaps pull from deeper layers in the planetary or Akashic mind that, that these, these principles that have been built upon like a a framework for, um, taking steps deeper and deeper into the mind. I think religions do this a little bit. And so they establish a kind of pathway that you can take deeper into the, reverence of the infinite creator which is the self and is uh beyond the self if you're thinking of the self as material basically mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think that makes a lot of sense because at least from from my perspective i didn't grow up with very much religious background or anything at all so the concept of one faith and two worship were, were kind of foreign to me and felt like that was something i had to almost develop and learn on my own through you know getting into spiritual work and basically from the law of ones uh I think that's at least somewhat of a foundation that can that can be laid there for yeah for then in that case your son to to work off of whether whether they realize it or not at first but it's yeah. uh, I could definitely see that being being impactful and we also gave him uh, you know uh, Tibetan singing bowls <laughs> <Maybank's> <laughs> awesome. on those yeah and and um, koshi wind chimes that have really nice tunes to them we we get him into every instrument we can get him into that sounds kind of like spiritual tone for him that is cool and there's a lot of research too into the hertz then and the different uh sounds that those make with other you know benefits to the mind and and brain from there so it's uh definitely could see that being beneficial in a number of ways (laughs) yeah yeah we might we might start uh teaching him songs once he's ready you know making up our own songs perhaps um oh there you go some family time too right uh making (laughs) making some music together that'd be cool yeah yeah, our, we can move on, I guess. Yeah. Okay, then I'll do the, I think just the last part of this quote here. Um, so then uh, it goes on to, secondly, the compassion of the parent to child may well be tempered by the understanding that the child entity shall learn the biases of service to others or service to self from the parental other self. 
This is the reason that some discipline is appropriate in the teach learning. This does not apply to the activation of any one energy center, for each entity is unique and each relationship with self and other self doubly unique. Uh, the guidelines given are only general for this reason. So I think this kind of alludes then to what you were talking about there too, that the child basically picks up what the parent is doing between actions or, um, yeah, basically their general outlook, whether they're service to others or service to self, whether it's subconscious, subconsciously or actively, the child will pick up on that one way or another. So it's uh, important to understand how you're conducting yourself and the way that you, you go about your practices in daily life. But um, see if you, yeah, yeah. what do you think on that? I one, assume right? most parents have more knowledge in this than me right now with disciplining children, because I, I think we're just getting started trying to comprehend um, how to say no. And and I, I certainly, I'm not sure if saying no about, well, he loves to pull on plants, for example, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if <laughs> we let him to a large degree, we, but that might have been a problem that we were letting him, he just grabs everything and pulls in everything. So is it a service to others bias when we say, no, don't pull on that? How can he process that that's helpful? To anyone and and so this is something i'm still trying to process and you know we try to redirect his energy towards something more that we feel like he can do um whenever he's told no we try to redirect his energy into something that seems more helpful but it's yeah it's just the beginning of me learning how to interpret this port about this portion about discipline here because um it, it is it is hard to temper the compassion and understand what that what that means and where the limits are and should be um so i'm just a beginner in this part maybe you have to talk to me in a year from now but um <laughs> yeah it seems like there's kind of a fine line there with that one but I, I just i do think that it's really interesting that rod does bring up the concept of discipline is appropriate to obviously a certain extent here because i mean i guess when you think about it from a broad standpoint people if parents did not do any sort of discipline then your your child will, will would be running around doing whatever whatever yeah. they want and, and getting away with anything where, you know, you're, you're almost teaching the concepts of, I guess, properly being of service to others and that there are still right and wrongs within this illusion we are. And uh, I think it's an important point too, that it's, that it should be brought up and taught, I guess, from that standpoint, but it seems like a tough one to experience and figure out where to, where to draw the line. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and it seems like this is just process, I guess, of, mental development too um is just can he understand what i'm doing and why i'm doing it and what he needs to do and why he needs to do it um and i i guess i don't really know um the relationship between the mental work and the spiritual work when it comes to discipline is fascinating to me or maybe there's no there shouldn't be a distinction drawn um yeah but but it, it seems like i i can i can let's say he he gets older and i'm telling him you always we always go down and help the homeless people or whatever if if i if we create a, if we get a family habit you know does he does he just end up seeing that as just an obligation and he doesn't have any open-hearted love for for people and and it's a it's an open question as to how much we can create systems of service to others um out of a sense of discipline that aren't actually um r- really benefiting the the soul uh, and they're just sort of making us more um, jaded to the process um, 
but I, th- I think that, you know, interaction with people is probably a little bit different than, um, you know, interaction with some kind of obscure religious practice that doesn't necessarily have a connection to service. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that one going kind of in a few different ways. Like you were saying, like the volunteering and those kind of things, it could almost then end up feeling like an obligation to them or they got to almost distill that, that and learn for themselves and how to, I guess, what, what seems right for them and how best they can be of service to others. But I, I guess I, not having children, I don't know, but I think that uh, probably exposing them to is at least the first step and yeah. in allowing them to make that decision. So, yeah. Yeah. That's something that I feel like I, it's just, there's almost no other way for me to keep them happy other than to just keep, you can keep, keep giving my child new experiences every day and just keeping mm-hmm. him interested in the world. Um, and and I, I know that, you know, as he finds new joy in things, I can recognize that I can have more joy in things, too. And mm-hmm. it's a little mysterious, too, how that works. Um, but certainly being in nature is, is, is one way that's more obvious, that it's, he likes being outside more than inside, almost without exception. And, and when I'm with him outside, I feel better, too, all the time. So, I, yeah, it's there's a lot to learn just from trying to make them happy right and yeah like you said you're picking up a lot on the way and kind of learning of some of these new connections and i'd even call some of those energy transfers at that rate too so it's obviously having a positive effect in one way or another yeah um, kind of a random question along this line i was talking to a friend about it the other day but just curious to see what you think do you, do you think you'll directly expose your child to the law of one when they become of an age to learn or so i could just see there being a number of paths to go about this without directly, you know, getting into the material, because then you could be potentially creating your, your son to become an outcast or, you know, as one of those weird kids in school. Or do you see, you know, I, I'm just trying to think about it yeah. from a couple different standpoints, because it uh-huh. seems like most people you talk about this, so oh, extraterrestrial channeling, you kind of come off a little crazy. So <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you're putting any thought to that, but just well, the thing that's most important to teach him on that point is what they say about Jesus. And they say that Jesus would always speak through a veil. And I feel like, you know, I didn't get any teaching like that when I was a kid that sometimes it's important to um, speak based on what people are benefited by hearing and what they're what they're requesting. The level of the request of people around you should determine how you're interacting with them. You don't come in with pride, this is my belief system. You come into an environment in which people may or may not be asking for help. And when they're mm-hmm. asking for help, then you give them help in the way that they're asking for help. So that's, um, yeah, I think a way to uh, avoid any pitfalls around being a weird person. But um, I think uh, we, we expect him to be weird. And my wife and I were talking about the, the law of one, the words of Ra all the time. I don't think he can avoid it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, or, or Course in Miracles, we we go through that. And, and the Bible, okay. I mean, it's like everything that, that we enjoy, he's going to end up being exposed to very early on. So we're excited to get him, you know, learning about everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're kind of getting at there, too, is is basically honoring the free will, free will of others from that stance, too. So if they're yeah. interested in something, they they will open the door to to begin the conversation and, um, yeah, take it as far as appropriately, appropriately yeah. asked for. Yeah. I wonder if he can create parables on the fly better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> that would be impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, one other topic I wanted to kind of talk to you about a little bit here, I want to be respectful of your time as well, but 
Um, I know you were, had just gotten one of the last times we talked the Golden Dawn book, um, and we've kind of been looking at more practical practices that Ra gives in the material there. And so kind of tying both of those together, I guess, do you have anything that you found to be beneficial or any sort of recommendations from a practice standpoint that, uh, talking about the white magic stuff. Yeah. Between the white magic or just in general, other practices that Ra gives in the material that you found to be beneficial in your, um, spiritual journey there. Well, there are a, a couple of things that were white magical rituals in the law of one that were beneficial to me. And one of them was the ritual cleansing around the, around the house. And, uh, that involves uh, using salt and holy water, blessed uh, blessed water sprinkled along the salt with given intention for protection of the home, and garlic, uh, cut garlic hung in different locations. I've been using cut garlic for over 10 years, you know, where places where I've lived. If I feel like there's a very bad energy in a particular room, I'll, I'll get garlic in there. Um, and uh, and they also strongly recommended the banishing, banishing ritual of the lesser pentagram. Mm -hmm. And if I have my own version of that, and I feel like I've, you know, it, it, there are so many different versions of that, that particular banishing ritual. Uh, I think that people are, it's good for people to do what they think that feel resonates with them. And if you mm -hmm. have to tweak something for it to resonate with you, I think that's, that's appropriate. So I've experimented with doing variations using different names of Jesus, for example. Um, and, you know, that's sort of what uh, the Law of One team did when they, when they, op they opened up the, 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 the name of Yahweh, uh, yod Hey, vav Hey. They, they threw in Sheen in there, yod Hey, Sheen, vav Hey, and, and that's like the Hebrew consonants for the, for the name that, that was Yehoshua. And so mm -hmm. it's like the name of Yahweh and the name of Yehoshua have this connection in the Hebrew language around that um that extra addition and that's that's a fifth um hebrew um sound so so i i've, I've tried doing um yod yod hey sheen vav hey um as a as a part of a ritual like that and i think that's that's it's a quick solution i think to uh getting to the heart of of the of the principle of the banishing ritual but i think people have to do what what, what is resonating with them on a deepest the deepest level that they can mm -hmm. that they can get to um and th that's th th so you know they rog even gives the impression that you know with, with don don elkins having studied some of this material um he was still like a neophyte this the way they, they made it sound i think is yeah um, so i think um uh working with the deep mind is what we're really talking about and tapping into the deep mind is is really only possible through a lot of meditation and a lot of introspection and self-awareness and um you know pondering on what are the what are the deeper characteristics of our nature that we that we can draw on that, that it's so hard to put into words but but when you're drawing on those those deeper foundations um through ceremony or ritual you can continue to reinforce whatever it is you're trying to build and plant in the deep mind. So for me, the love of Jesus is like a very clean and simple thing to focus on that I can plant with with intention, and I can I can see 
Jesus in the center of my heart. I can see um, all of my love is coming from Jesus when I see Jesus in the center of my heart. And so that's been kind of a useful uh, way to way to perceive some of of uh, these these practices that are more structured. Uh, because mm-hmm. I, I can I can come come back to that grounding and come, stay grounded. I feel like there's a lot of uh, a negative entity temptation still people are facing, and I feel like the name of Jesus is is as a, a way to to cut through uh, some of the negative temptation. But I think that there's also um, you know so many other things that resonate with people that um, can get them deeper and deeper into this deepest of love within their hearts. Um, that people kind of have to be experimenters. People have to be pioneers in their own spiritual evolution. They have to be, um, you know, explorers of consciousness in their own way. Um, So so starting with something like the Golden Dawn and the Raw Contact, I think is great. Reading through, if you go to lawof1.info, you can click on the white magic section and get a sense of all the stuff they're talking about and um, how, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's really about conscious use of the unconscious mind and we're walking around so so unaware of the patterns of the subconscious behaviors that we're in that that to start to put structure on on how we're approaching reality and our mind and our spiritual evolution is like this this discipline that is as like lacking by default we have to we have to start to figure out how to become disciplined through awakening to the fact that we want to become disciplined and that that's a valuable thing yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a key teaching and something I've been trying to focus on more lately myself is actually going through some of the practices that were actually given in, in the material instead of just kind of learning philosophy. It's, it's kind of, I guess, the implementation of that then. And uh, I think one of the other benefits I've seen that I believe Rob Anderson's as well was doing some of these rituals and meditations and everything. It's doing them in a consistent location, time, and a few other factors too, where you seem to um, strengthen, I guess, the effectiveness of those either rituals or, or meditations and all. And I know that's been one that, that seems to have been beneficial, at least for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I guess um, I'll probably just uh, ask you one more question then for now. I uh, just wanted to see, I guess, from the standpoint of activism in this world we live in, have you been doing much lately from that sense and how have you been incorporating the law of one from aspects of uh, forgiveness and love into any sort of uh, activism from from that standpoint just because we're in a very polarized atmosphere these days so i've gone back and forth on my feelings around activism and what's most needed right now mm-hmm. you know so i i did do uh uh what could be called protests i was holding up signs and giving out dvds at like space symposium the largest space conference they have here in Colorado springs and i did that at the schreiber air force base here and and it, and to me that almost felt like it's like it's almost too good not to you know share people this testimony from the people who worked underground schreiber air force base it's like it's 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 funny how blind everyone is to the deeper picture of of what really goes on in the secret space programs um and i feel like so the reason that this this whole disclosure side of the thing made so much sense to me from a spiritual perspective is because it feels like people are kind of like their their sense of mystery is dying. People are losing their ability to be excited about anything except for fiction. Um it, it or, or at least um 
mundane aspects of life that are uh, sort of, I feel like our, our ability as a society to reach out and help those who are needing help the most, people who, who are not being served in our community, is is um, it, we're unable to help others when we're asleep, when we're sort mm-hmm. of blinded by our own comfort. And I feel like, um, to a degree, you know, ignorance is bliss. Um, but also, when you're when you're given a deeper window into a, a mis- mysterious realm, such as the UFO subject, or um, a, a deeper kind of spiritual teaching, th- those those doorways uh, can can make a person come alive and come awake and become activated. And so, activism to me is kind of like about activating and awakening others. And do, knowing the right way to do that is 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 half the battle, you know. Um, so, meetup groups are obviously what I thought were the, the best way to, because it, it's like it's always got to be free will based. And so, if I've got a meetup group, people can go and meet up if they want. They can see what meetup groups are on there if they want, and they can come to mine if they want, and and then get as many rabbit hole trails as they as they want when they come to the meetings. Um, so, I recommend. Getting connected to your local community through meetup.com is the best thing people can do still. And you're doing it too. You're doing a great job now, I guess. You've got your own. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing the Denver base there and we got a pretty good amount of consistent people coming too. So it's been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I, I didn't realize how much I needed that aspect of it too until actually kind of being pushed to create that group a little over a year ago now. And just getting the other perspectives and kind of breaking down some of the material similar to like what you do in your group was just, um, there's been just so much, at least I know I've gained and I hope others have as well from, from doing that. Cause you can sit through and read this material all day long, but I think, uh, I think it's really important to get some other, your other selves opinions on, on, on a lot of these concepts and some of the ones that are even harder to understand yourself. It just seems to be, uh, yeah, one of the best ways to, to actually break it down and, uh, yeah. Further, further your journey that way and it activates you doesn't it when somebody has a new interpretation you didn't think of yeah oh my gosh i, I was just telling uh, one of my friends the other day when we were leaving the group it's that drive home for me so we, we do a meetup in person um so then the 20 minute drive home for me it's just uh, flooding with first of all love and joy but two it's like just kind of distilling everything that just went through and all these other ideas and i got to get out the pen and paper and <laughs> kind of write it down so it's just been yeah it's been very beneficial from that way, but yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I guess uh, if people want to try to find you or, or reach out to you at all, do you have uh, any sort of social media or at least I know you're on ascensionworks.tv anywhere you'd like to direct people? Um, my main website, mikewiskoski.com has a way to contact me and it has um, links to other stuff I've done. And that's M I K E W A S K O S K Y.com. Okay, great. Well, I'll, I'll leave that, uh, put that in the show notes as well for, uh, for this episode. But um, I guess I have one last question for you, just because this is a fun one, and I'm curious to get people's opinions on this. But uh, if you had the chance to ask Ra one question, uh, what would you, I know it's kind of a tough one, but what, what do you think you would ask or what would you like to, what would you like to know? That, that is incredible. I have so many that I've thought of and I forget because it's like to be in that state of mind where it's like, oh my gosh, if only, if only Don Elkins had asked that question. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the transition period is super confusing, but I don't even know if I would have asked about the transition period. It's like, 
and, and intelligent infinity is confusing and crystals are confusing and healing is confusing. It's like there, there are there are areas where they they started to explore, but they didn't they didn't quite um, get to the the meat of what would have been needed for um, the teaching. Right. But boy, they, but they sure did cover a lot. It was it was pretty impressive how much they did cover. Um, yeah, gives us a heck of a lot to go off of. But I I just know at least me personally when I start listening to the material again, my my answer changes almost daily when I, <laughs> yeah. when I start thinking about it. But the healing was one I was thinking about recently, too. Just that process of it is um, obviously what they define as healing is a much more involved um, practice. And it, it's I, yeah, I think that would be one of the ones, at least I know personally, I, I would like to get a little more information on because I start the book off that way because Don and Don wants to become the healer at that point, And then we start diving into everything else from there. But uh, yeah. So I, I won't put you on the spot any longer, but I know it's just a <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good one. It's like, um, ultimately, I think we can get glimpses of answers, and I think there's a lot of stuff raw. You know, it's almost like the best questions that that I probably would really want to answer raw wouldn't answer because of the preservation of free will component. That it's mm -hmm. really our own journey to figure out. Um, I guess we have to we have to take the baby steps to get to the point where our intuition is telling us the truth in that area already. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And that's kind of what I was just talking about previous in one of the uh, previous podcasts here that just kind of raising the collective consciousness is probably one of the greatest things that we can do for developing either discernment and or bringing in this positive fourth density experience to earth is really kind of the basis because you see things then through a different perspective and elevating everyone else's consciousness is really what what it, what I think this is all about and getting into the density of love and understanding but it obviously all starts with with your individual self and raising your own awareness from that point so it's a yeah. complicated process but yeah, yeah. so yeah <laughs> well thanks again I really do appreciate it I think this has been excellent so um, yeah hope you have a good evening and uh, we'll be talking to you soon Thanks a lot. You too. Thanks for listening, everybody.